Thank you for listening to WNLA's Sermon of the Week. Visit our website at wnla.church for ways to partner with us and to connect with our ministries. Here is this week's sermon. All right, so I'm sure there were some wonderful answers out there. Some of the answers that people answered on my uh, Facebook page, a fireplace or some sort of a wood-burning, maybe gas or uh, whatever, a covered porch, multiple bedrooms. There were different answers for that, but more than one seemed to be a common thread. Um, A walk-in shower was something that kept coming up. I didn't realize that was so exciting. Um, An in-law suite, somewhere you could... Keep your in-laws close, but your friends' enemies closer. I don't know. Um, Some of the things from my list are, to be honest, and you can blame, you can judge me all you want. The bigger the TV, the better, in my opinion. So a large TV is is on my list, and I will. I I have a fairly large TV that I'm going to watch the Eagles beat the Chiefs today, Dale. I apologize. Uh, A great, comfortable couch. A big, big bathtub to enjoy, uh, all sorts of wonderful things. Now, okay, all of these things, they're fine. They're good. There's nothing sinful about having things that you like in your house. So take a deep breath. It's okay. It's also, it's also not wrong to not have them in your house. The secret is, am I content with or without them? That's not what we're talking about today, but I just want to check our spiritualness at the door because some of us are like, I would never have a big TV that's extravagant. Okay, don't, but I'm going to have one. And if you judge me, the Lord will talk to you about it. I'll judge your, I don't know, KitchenAid blender. That is just too much. All right. So all of these things are comforts. They're fine. Um, they're, they're, they're good. But one thing, when, when I, I knew this would be the case, and you won't be surprised either, but as I read through my list, and I don't think anybody in here probably jumped in here any, either, but one thing that I find always escapes the list when people are, are going through their dream home. I, I've never heard somebody say, when you ask them, hey, what are you looking for in a house? They, they never say this. You know what I really want? A really well-built, solid, sturdy foundation. Done to OSHA-approved codes and all the city co- Oh, I just really want that. A really nice little found, big foundation. I mean, extra thick. It's going to be great. When my wife, my wife and I got to build a house a few years ago, and, uh, and there were lots of times where we get to, you know, you get to make these fun decisions. You watch Chip and Joanna Gaines and be like, I want that. That was our fireplace, right? Stephanie's like, oh, lap and plaster, or no, whatever it's called. I, what's it called? Baton board. Baton Rouge? Ship lap. There it is. You know, you know you're, you're, you're designing this house in <laughs> Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And you're sitting there, you're drinking your coffee. You know what would be wonderful? A big bathtub. That would be amazing. I'm like, yes, let's put that on the must-have list. And then you get to skip around the store and be like, do you know what flooring I think would be most beautiful in our home? You know, this one, it's waterproof, it's sturdy. Oh, the, oh this carpet would be amazing. And then, oh, this countertop. This, oh, let's do the upgrade on the countertop. And let's, oh, you know what would be wonderful if we painted the whole house pink? No, honey, you can't do that. But honey, I'll make the decisions from here on out. No, that didn't happen. But, uh, 
But those are all fun. These are the fun things. We get to dream about them. And it's, it's fine. It's good. But we never sat there over a cup of coffee and we're like, you know what, honey, I really want? Let's go double size on the foundation walls just to really make it solid. You want to do that? Do you want to spend the extra money to go beyond what the code tells us we have to? That would be amazing. Oh, praise the Lord. That was never a conversation we had. But do you know what kicked our booty more than anything on that entire house build? The foundation. As uh, my, my dad and I, and Zeb was actually there, Noah helped out, and men, uh, we, we were there digging and digging in the mud to get to, the, get, to a, get to a flat ground, get to the harder surface. And we'd get there, and it was amazing. And then it was downpour, and mud would ooze back in, and the inspector would come and be like, uh-uh, this isn't going to work. And he had his little pokey stick, and I'm like, I'm going to poke you. <laughs> we fought, we wrestled that thing. I almost lost my salvation three times in the process. Finally, the Lord called out in wisdom, and we we called somebody. We called WRS, awesome company. They came out with their, with their tractor, their people. They got us down there. They, they, they laid down a layer, and the inspector came, and we were good to go. That was not part of my dreaming over a cup of coffee list. But I got this picture here. We got it done, and, uh, and that was a glorious day. Um, now, a foundation is an interesting thing. When you start to design, oh, I'm going to have this wall and this wall. Listen, no, you, you have to start your foundation by framing up something that you're going to rip out. All those boards that you start with, you've got footings, you've got, those all go in, and once the foundation is poured, you rip them all out, and they, they lose all the glory. But they were essential to getting you where you go. Once you get those boards in, you stick rebar, solid steel bars, all over inside that cement. You drive it into the ground, you, you dangle it in there, it's shooting straight up into the sky, it's very dangerous. But you put all that in there, then the truck comes and they pour this, this, this cement in there, you put more steel in there, and then you have yourself a foundation. Once you, you got bolts sticking up, you got steel sticking up, now you have a foundation, one of which you never talked about. But it is the most important part of the house, to be honest with you. You've got, you see, you've got, uh, some of this stuff I didn't even know what was there for. We had these giant steel straps sticking up, buried into the concrete. And I had no clue what that was for until my dad was like, once we started framing up, he's like, now you're going to put a bazillion nails in that thing. Because when the inspector comes, he is going to look and count and make sure there's enough nails stunk into that steel bar that will strap your house down. Because you know, you can build, I, we, we, and we picked, we picked all sorts of wonderful, beautiful things that we liked, a design that would fit on, the, that we could live with, we liked it, all of that's good. We could have bought, purchased all those same things, built the exact same house, set it on a level place somewhere, and had the same kind of house for a while. Could have been the exact same home made out of the same materials, but if we didn't start with a foundation, it's not going to last very long. I have two homes here. Just to give you an example of my building expertise, I built both of these homes by myself. I promise you, uh, I built them out of the exact same materials, and I took the exact same amount of care 
choosing the color schemes, and all of those things, and over a cup of coffee, mind you. Um, and and, uh, and it, their nice looking homes look the exact same thing, one of which I secured to the foundation, and one of which I didn't. Now, here's what happens when the storms come. I didn't say if, when the storms come. <sighs> the exact same materials look a little bit different. I will also go one step further. When your world turns upside down, and it will, when your world flips upside down, the things that you built, the dreams, the wonderful things will be shown for what they are. And I will say the good and the bad both. Because you can build amazing, you can choose the right things, you can do godly things, but at the end of the day, all the stuff that, oh, I, I want to have, I want this kind of spouse, I want this kind of job, even those amazing things that you say, like, I want to do this for Jesus, I want to I take care of the widows and the orphans, and I want to I serve and do all these things, that's good, those are good things, but at the end of the day, all of that stuff, even though it's good, even though it's godly, still is just flooring Bathtubs, color schemes of the walls, even godly things not built on a foundation will fall away when the storm comes. And the storms are different. Yes, you will likely have times where your, your house and your life and everything you built flips upside down because of a tragedy or a loss. But I will tell you this, you will also have the times in your life where the, where the amazing thing happens. You just came into an inheritance of all this money. That's the same situation. It's flipping your life upside down. We know which one we'd rather have, but I want to tell you this. Both of them will prove if what you built is something that will last. And I will say this. Some of the most amazing things, godly things, will not last into eternity if they're not built on the foundation. We're going to dig into this today, and we're going to look at it a little bit. We're going to look at the words in red here today. Now, a lot of what we've gone over, this is like week seven or eight, but a lot of what we've been going over has been straight out of Jesus' big sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, three chapters long, book of Matthew. He said a lot of things that make us go, ah, or, or, yeah, all of the above. Put us into tension. Now, if you're ever preaching a sermon, you know you gotta, you got to have a good conclusion, okay? A good finish. Like, you want to wrap it all up. You wanna, here's, what, here's, here's the moral of the story, and here's what I want you to remember, right? So today we're going to read Jesus' big conclusion to his big sermon on the mount. Keeping in mind that it's probably important what he's about to say. He's about to wrap it up with his big final point. I'm going to read a bit more than I had intended to originally, but uh, I, want, I, want, I want you to read these words in red, okay? And again, we lean not on our understanding, we lean into the voice, and we let Jesus push us back to where we're supposed to be. Recalibrate. Matthew chapter 7, verse 15. Here's how Jesus starts his concluding, concluding paragraph of his sermon. Watch out for false prophets. <laughs> really? This is, how he, this is how he starts his final, his final point here. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit 
you will recognize them. Okay, press pause. Everybody eyes up, don't read ahead. Come on, don't be rebellious. By by your fruit, by their fruit, you will recognize them is what he's saying. Some of you I know are reading ahead. Stop it. We'll get there together, I promise. Notice he hasn't told you what the fruit is yet. A lot of us stop right there, and we start calling out false prophets everywhere because they got a prophecy wrong. That's not how you tell a false prophet. Jesus is going to tell us how you recognize a false prophet. Let's go here. It says this, do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Now, period. He's been, he's been uh, allegorical here a little bit. He's not telling you what the bad fruit is yet. So don't jump ahead to your, conclu- your personal conclusion. Let's hear what Jesus says is bad fruit and what is good fruit. So he goes on and he says this. And this one, I don't like. I love it, but I don't like it. Because I've always read this. I'm like, really? Watch this. He says this in the same breath. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. Watch this. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name drive out demons? And in your name do many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Therefore, now he's about to make his point. All of this was leading up to his point. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, which words? The ones all from that Sermon on the Mount that he was just saying. Anyone who hears these words and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. How do you recognize somebody who has heard from the Lord? How do you recognize somebody who is of the kingdom? Jesus made it very simple. Somebody who humbly listens to the word and just obeys. That's the good fruit. Wait a minute. But what about that person who's healing the sick and raising the dead? For all I know, they are of the kingdom. That's good. But that's not how I recognize somebody who's of the kingdom. That's not how I recognize a true prophet. How do I recognize somebody? Somebody who humbly listens and says, okay. That's the straps that hold the things to the kingdom. Did you, like when Jesus says this, when when somebody says to him, didn't we in your name, in the name of Jesus, drive out demons? In the name of Jesus, heal the sick, perform miracles. In the name of Jesus, we did these things. And he says, I never knew you. How come? He never just humbly listened and obeyed of course you can drive out the demons with the name of jesus 
The name of Jesus is powerful. It raises the dead. It heals the sick. That doesn't mean you've leaned in and you're building something epic. That's the tension. How do I recognize a true prophet? It's not if they get it right all the time. It's are they walking humbly with their God? Listening humbly to their God. And leaning, like, even when it's like, well, this makes way more sense if I do it my way. And the Lord's like, do this. And you're like, okay. That's how you recognize a true prophet, a true person. And, and, and lest we get tempted to always be looking at other people to see if they're true prophets or not. I believe the main point Jesus is trying to get is you to look at yourself. Some of us are building our life, and yes, it's all in the name of wonderful Jesus things, but I want to tell you this, if it's not in humble submission to Jesus Christ, you're building a house that when turned upside down, it will crash. No matter how loudly you worship, how many backflips you do in a Pentecostal service. And please don't hear me also, I, I, I love those things. I, I love prophecy. I, I'm going to pray for, for, pray for the sick. I'm going to, listen, Lord willing, let's lay hands on the dead and let them, let them raise. But if it's not done out of humble, yes, Lord, and we'll do what you're saying. It's just fluff. It's just a hot tub that'll blow away. Why is this so important? Because the Lord wants you to be, do in obedience so that, so that it will last into eternity. Did you know that just because I lay my hands on, on somebody and I see them, see them healed doesn't mean that that's an amazing kingdom thing that's going to last in them into eternity. Because if I did it out of an arrogant, jerk-filled, ah, oh, this is a great, it's all about me, and I'm trying to do this because, listen, there's so much pressure when you're trying to lead a group. Because you want to perform and you want to do something great. And I've had people, I've been in the Pentecostal, I love Pentecostal services. And I've been in the service where the guy's trying so hard because it's, it, unless I fall to the ground, he hasn't done something amazing for the Lord. Yeah. And was he, now, and that person's still saved. I'm not like, but that, what, what, what kingdom is he trying to build by pushing me over? Yeah. Unless you think I'm also being too harsh, I've also been in the service where I fell over. And it was just so godly. And it was just an encounter with Jesus. And it was a humble experience for me and the person. Like it wasn't to bring glory to somebody's ministry. Lest the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. I want us to dream. I want us to lean in. I want, us to, I want to see the, the great and mighty things that I do not know. But if it's not humble obedience to the simple voice of God. I'm laboring in vain, and when the world turns upside down, I'll escape, but just as one through the flames. The fruit that proves you are in right relationship with the kingdom is humility. That's how we recognize. That's the metric of success. Not how many people you get fallen over at a service, not how many people you get to fill out the card, not how many people you led to Jesus at your workplace, but have you walked a humble, obedient life? Are you, or are you building something, even to this day, that you think is a great idea, but you haven't obeyed the voice of the Lord? When he's just like, hey, you know what? It's okay, not today. Go over here. Do this. Yeah, but this person needs you. I know, but that's not what I'm doing right now with you. 
Right now, I want you to lay your life down over here. That's the mark. That's how, that's how we recognize a believer. Humility, listening in, and obeying. You can't sing on Christ the solid rock I stand and then turn around and be a jerk to everybody you see. All other ground is sinking sand. You're an idiot. Because you look and act different and I don't like you. That's, now, be careful. That's false prophecy. And I, wanna, I want us to examine ourselves more. And I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer, but I want us to lean in and actually believe what Jesus says. That humble obedience to him is more important than the biggest show on earth that you could do for him. And then, if you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, he'll start to add all these things to you. But all these things will be strapped down to a foundation that will last into eternity. And when the world flips upside down, I'd like to take a minute, just anyway. When that happens, it will last and carry into eternity. But anything you built outside of the kingdom, even if it's for Jesus and done in this epic fashion, it will crash. Because at the end of the day, Jesus didn't come for your kingdom. He came for your heart. And he came for the hearts of mankind and the lives in their eternal souls. And he's given us the key. How do, how do I build the kingdom? I lean not on my own understanding. In all my ways, not a, like, I, there's nothing wrong with having the big TV or having a nice retirement. All those are beautiful, but if I don't need Jesus in my equation anymore, anything I build now is fluff. Can you have the billion-dollar 401k and need Jesus? Yes. But you have to actively, continually remind yourself, humble yourself. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and then he will lift you up in due season. Anything that's not built on that foundation, it's going to be fluff, and it's not going to last. I've been reading this book. I, I don't know if any of you have read a book by Bob. Who's heard of Bob Goff before? If you haven't, he's so much fun to read. And you just read one chapter at a time, you'll be blessed. Go grab one of his books. Uh, just fun. But I'm reading uh, his newest book, and I just read a chapter a day because it makes me smile. Um, but he tells this story. Um, he, was, he got saved in high school in this crazy way through a ministry. I think it might have been Young Life or something, but that's not really important. Uh, but but uh, just, just fell in love with Jesus because of this ministry, um, which is great. And there is something about the ministry we fall in love with Jesus under. It's special to us, as it should be. But uh, he tells a story. So when he graduates high school, he, everything, all he wants to do now, he wants to be a part of this ministry, work with this ministry which is a beautiful thing. So, uh, like, like some other ministries, it's a ministry where you have to raise all of your own support, right? So you send out your support letters to your friends and family, and, uh, and, and they, they say yes or get out of my face or get a job or something like that. So he does that, and he raises all the support that he needs to be on staff with the ministry. And they have one position open, and it's the one he's, he, he, so he applies for it. He's like, I've got all of, all of my money in place, and I'm ready to go. And they said, no, not you. And he's like, what? Like, no, we don't think this is right for you. And, and he, he talks about this moment where I, it's, I'm ready to become bitter. Or 
I can just choose to be a good neighbor to this ministry and humble myself. So he goes on, he, he goes on to apply for, he's like, I'm going to be a lawyer then. I'll do something great. And he's kind of a weird, crazy guy. He's fun. So he applies to all these law schools. And every last one of them says, no, no, not you, not you. And so uh, he goes to this one law school, and he, he goes and he sits in the dean's uh, waiting room office every single day leading up to, and he, he just sat there, and when the dean would walk by, he would say to the dean, all you have to say is go buy my books, and I'm in. I know you got the power to let me in. All you have to say is go buy your books. And he just sat, he would, every day he'd come until finally the dean was like, what on, fine, go buy your books, you're in. So he, uh, he, he completes his law degree, he goes and he, he works as a lawyer for a firm. Later, he opens his own law firm specifically to deal and help nonprofits. That's what he does. And then he has this great idea, you know what? So he goes back to that ministry, the ministry that he got saved under, the ministry that also denied him uh, access as a staff member. And he, he's very quick to say, it's a good thing they did because I would have been just arrogant and a jerk. But he said, so he goes back to that ministry and he says, hey, I now have a law firm and I deal with nonprofits and I help them in all their legal stuff. And I want to give my services to your ministry for free. And they say, no, not you. <laughs> we're happy with the lawyers we're paying for. And, uh, and again, he, he says, he, you have to read the book. He's like, what? You know, he, he faces this, this moment. Um, so instead of getting bitter, he, he decides, okay, I'm going to bless them as a good neighbor in some way. So he, he owns some property up by, they have this great big camp up in Canada. And so with every, every court case that he won, he would take a portion of those earnings and he would buy up more of the forest surrounding that camp. Because up there, they were really doing a lot of logging and, and uh, you know, clear-cutting all the, all the forest around the camp. And he's like, I want to help them preserve it. So he'd buy up a big portion of the property, and he'd just donate it back to them. And, uh, and, and, and the whole point of the story is, was, was simply, are you going to get bitter, or are you going to be humble? And, and so I look at that, and I'm like, oh, that's a man of God right there. I, I don't know that he's ever healed the sick or raised the dead, but like, that's a mark of somebody who knows Jesus. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. I want to give you two more words in red that have to do with this. Um, we're going to look at Luke 14. And uh, give you a quick, leading up to this, Jesus is with his, his uh, disciples, and they're watching people come into a banquet, a feast. And he, he witnesses, and he's watching as people are vying for the best seat in the house. Right, the best seat in the house was the one near the host, right? the most important person. And so they would all sit up here, uh, and he's watching this happen, and he tells his disciples, he says, hey, when you get invited to a banquet, don't, don't try to sit in the best spot. He says, go and sit in the worst spot possible. Because here's what's going to happen. If you sit in the best spot you can find, and you nail it, the, and the host sees somebody there who's more important than you, you're now going to be hum humiliated in front of everybody when he walks over and he says, excuse me, but Bob, but you're going to have to scoot down because Larry's here today. And you'll be humbled. But if you sit in the least spot and, and, and th then the host might come to you and say, hey, what are you doing here? Come on up. Hey, Larry, scoot over. Bob's going to sit here. And so he tells this story. And then he says this in Luke 14, verse 14. 
For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Those who exalt themselves and fight and vie to be at the head seat of the table will be humbled. And those who humble themselves, the Lord's going to lift you up. He's going to exalt you. Why does the Lord want to humble us? Because when I'm humbled, it forces me back down to the ground to look at my foundation. And when I'm humbled, I get a real close-up view to see if what I'm doing and what I'm building is actually strapped down to the foundation of Jesus Christ. That's why. Because he loves you. He cares more. Look at me. He cares more about you than your success in this life. He cares more about you than how many people you've led to Jesus or will lead to Jesus. That's the most important thing. Your heart, your heart posture. That's what he cares about. Now, all of these things are good. They're all, uh, please, witness to people, evangelize people, raise the sick. But if you do it not in the name of humility, of Je- in listening and obedience to Jesus Christ, you're just a gong show. You may have great success. You may be with more people from the dead than anybody else, but if all you're doing is gong, gong the whole time, all of that nonsense will have no kingdom value in the grand, grand scheme of life. But if you do one small thing in humility and obedience, it will resound into eternity in the kingdom that will last forever. Now, I want to I throw this out here too. That story that he tells about the banquet, he, he just, that comes right on the heels of him saying this, Uh, just before that in verse 12 two verses before whoever believes in me will do the works that i've been doing and they will do even greater things than these so he's not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. he wants to see great works he's telling you you will do greater things than him but take the low seat and see what happens in obedience in humility humility is key That's what straps you to the foundation of the kingdom. That's what miracles should be built on. That will make them last into eternity. I want to read you one more. This is out of Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. Jesus is telling this story again as a lesson for us. And he says this. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like these other people, the robbers, the evildoers, the adulterers, or even like this tax collector who's probably rooting for Kansas today. That wasn't in there, I added it. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get, but the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and he said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Why is humility so important? It builds eternal things. It keeps you dependent. Are you still dependent after all these years on Jesus Christ alone? Or was there something in your life you were depending on more? 
on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground, even the good stuff, is sinking sand. The Lord will give you good gifts and some things he'll take out of your life. But if you will stand on the rock, what you build will last into eternity. Stephanie, I'm going to have you come up. I just want to conclude with just some reflection for us. If you just bow your heads, this is a moment with you and the Lord. Let the Holy Spirit speak. Just a couple questions. First and foremost, what has the Lord been speaking to you? Not what you've been speaking to him, mind you. We speak a lot of things to him. What, it, what has he spoken to you, asked you to do, led you, prompted you? What has the Lord been speaking to you about? And the follow-up question is this. Have you just simply been obedient to that word? Yes, okay, Lord. Doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but yes. How do we tell the fruit? The fruit of somebody who's of the kingdom. They humbly listen and just obey. No matter how grand the word is or how small, how loud it is or how soft the whisper. Okay, Lord, I'm going to err on the side of faith here. This is what I believe you're saying. And if you've been the one, like we all have at times, making the excuses, having a better plan, I would encourage you, you can just beat your heart and say, oh God, have mercy on me, a sinner. That will leave you justified in his sight. More than comparing yourself to other people. And so Father, I just pray you would renew a right spirit within us. That we would do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with you. Father, our heart's desire is to see the great and mighty things, the miracles, the signs, and one. We're going to continue to pray into that, Father. But Father, may our heart's number one desire to be in humility before you, and just obedience. That we would strap our lives down to the only thing that will last. And that's you, Jesus. In your kingdom, that has no end. So I bless everybody here, anybody who's hearing this. Your mercy and your grace are so good. You humble us so that we can strap down again. And so in the name of Jesus, that's what we build on. whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. God will build some amazing things. But lest the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that builds it. No matter how beautiful the carpet is, or amazing the walk-in shower is, It'll be better if he builds it. Amen? A few things before you go.
tomorrow night, 7 p.m., you are all invited to come. We're going to have a worship night here. We're joining a few other churches. Pastor uh, William Reyes, he's going to bring his worship team. Uh, we'll be here in the sanctuary. We've invited uh, Pastor Jim and Lisa Meyer, uh, Jeremy Schwader, and Bless the City. So whoever comes, we're going to just worship. We will pray. We'll just have a good time. But that's going to happen here tomorrow night, 7 p.m. Um, next Sunday, this, this is an important announcement, because if you text me and ask me, what time's church this Sunday? I'll be like, I'll tell you, because I'm humble, all right? No. No. So we have two services normally, 9 a.m. and 11, and we'll continue to do that. But next Sunday is Pastor Zeb and Brittany and Hope and Gloria and Zuzu's last Sunday with us, all right? So we are combining into one service next Sunday, not this Sunday, next Sunday. It'll happen at 10 a.m. It'll be here again. We'll have a lot. It'll be great. It'll be fun. Uh, we are going to have a potluck immediately after in the gym. We would invite you to bring something to share, something yummy, um, and, uh, and join us for that. We're also going to be taking a special offering because they have been a blessing to us. Amen? And we want to bless them as they go. Uh, so you'll be able, you can do that online, but we'll have a box in the back and the box down there. And so I just encourage you to ask the question of the Lord. Don't be like, blah, 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 Lord, what? ask him, is it, what would you like me to give to bless them? And then just be obedient. Nothing more, nothing less. So that's it. Next Sunday, one service. We'll try to remind you in email and on Facebook, but you must know, all right? So God bless you. Enjoy the eagles as they soar on wings and uh, love you. God bless. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. If you have any questions, prayer requests, or if you would like to partner with our ministry, please visit our website at wnla.church.